0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Green Knight, Episode 10. I would like to clarify a few items that I spoke about in the last episode. As we move from the back to the front, back to the front. The principle of gender. The principle, this principle is really about the creative aspect of the universe. The ways in which the new comes into existence. It is about birth. Gawain's interaction with the lady, right, speaking of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight now, Gawain's interaction with the lady of the Lord's castle in the myth is about the sacred union of male and female. And consideration of this from a human scale will invariably lead to contradiction. This is what I was saying in the last episode. But I'm just uh, breaking it down a little so we can clarify a few things. Meaning that in an adherence to a human code, there will be circumstances in which that code will break down. This is the this is most readily apparent in the interactions of human males and females. But it is a general occurrence in any human code that eventually there will be no way to proceed and still adhere to its tenets. It is just extremely visible when considering sex and reproduction in the human sphere however there is more to this the act of creation includes creativity which is a quality that we humans possess the union of male and female is required in creation we can see this demonstrated in every aspect of nature including the universe's creation of itself the human mind as i have discussed in early in an earlier episode is composed of two halves, one exhibiting male characteristics and the other female. Human creativity, if it is to be adopted by nature, by the universe, and not just fade away, requires the alchemical union of both male and female in the mind, a balance between the two components. In the myth we have the lord of the castle, obviously representing the left brain, the male side, and the lady, the right. If one is to be creative in a way that is in harmony and accordance with the universe, one must be operating in balance. This is the significance of the green sash that the lady of the castle gifts to Gawain. The female aspect is intuition and reception of information to guide action that does not come from the intellect, which is the male side. This object in the myth is the symbol of invulnerability, the green sash. Be open to the delivery from the divine feminine, and you will be safe. Adherence to the notion that one's action is solely the result of individual will is subject to nature's balancing response. So the alchemical union of male and female is to give universal credence to one's creative efforts. The sacred union is the proverbial middle way, the fulcrum, the still point, and results in individual access to the ever-present origin spoken of in 8 and 9 of this podcast. The alchemical union, the ever-present origin, operating with a causal intent, is a small target, but it can be honed in on by relinquishing control. Use the force, Luke. When connected to brainwave detection machinery, we can practice this. And we can see that when we let go, theta waves emerge. And when we hang on, we fluctuate to back to beta and are all over the map. This is the purpose of meditation, right? Does that make sense? So the next point is, again, about the principle of mentalism. As I have mentioned, this is a super difficult one for people who are indoctrinated into the modern materialist worldview. When I say materialist, it simply means that we are taught that the universe is the result of the random interaction of tiny particles that have properties that we can measure. The entirety of empiricism, the scientific method, is based on the tenet of objective measurement, which is contradicted by the observer effect. We've gone over this. I am not impugning the scientific method. It is a valid form of investigation, obviously, and has produced some valuable results, but it cannot adequately be used to unify the macro and the micro, or to have what scientists like to call the unified field theory. The mental gymnastics required to talk around this point is precisely why there needs to be an expansion of the methods of investigation to resolve the many contradictions we grapple with and to actually arrive at a more accurate explanation of nature, you know, to approach it. As I have said, knowledge never ends and we can only ever approach it. But we can definitely not pitch our fucking tent (laughs) we often refer to materialists as skeptics, but a true skeptic is one that does not ever declare anything as absolute. And so does not interfere with any continued investigations. This is what a true skeptic is. And I hope that we can all become this, um, you know, and understand or to comprehend what that really means which is that, uh, the accumulation of knowledge never ceases and there's no absolute knowledge. And we, I don't think can ever know everything. Although science likes to say that, you know, I think there was even a cover of scientific American that was something about, are we close to knowing everything? And that's a joke. So, this is how we approach objective truth, by knowing that there will always be more to learn. Pitching the tent and refusing to continue ascending is not skepticism, but willful ignorance. And one has to ask why we do that. What is it that the previous paradigm fights tooth and nail to hold on to in light of new evidence and new information? What is it that makes them do it? Well, the easy answer is that the old guard has identified with its own position. And they see their position as who they are and cannot let go of it. But the hard answer is that there's something to be gained from promoting this type of thing. you know. And that's really the question I ask is What is to be gained from doing that? What is to be gained from um, shunning information, right? Or refusing to look at it um, because it comes from a source that you're not comfortable with. This is what I want to talk about in this episode, episode, you know, in a way. Right. You're going to find that you'd be like, oh, my God, this is way more hardcore than just what he was talking about in the beginning. But it really is the main obstacle we face if we would like to achieve a a positive outcome to all this buckery that has been occurring on Earth for millennia. Yes, it's not just right now that I am referring to or even some decades ago. Right. This pattern, this continuous. Perpetual. Groundhog Day that we are experiencing has been going on for thousands of years. Wrap your head around that as we continue. Currently, we have a problem with collective sense-making, right? So we are so divided and in tribes that we can't collectively make sense of anything, and that is purposeful. What do I mean by collective sense-making? well it's the consensus the majority viewpoint really um the dominant narrative the sheer quantity of information and specifically conflicting information makes it super tricky to navigate if you are a truth seeker then you can see the camps forming in that um portion of society you know the ones that are actually looking and seeing that there's something really wrong, you know, happening, and can see it um, by looking at the past too. But um, the camps, you know, the different tribes within that movement, this causes a clouding of the issue. And it's an injection of noise that makes it difficult um, to hone in or to approach the truth. But we can zoom out so we can see the larger patterns. It is the macro view. If you are new to this kind of information, then, oh my God, I am so happy you are here. Because there is absolutely no way you can make sense of any, anything with the information being blasted at you from the mainstream. So, please stick around. Because we fucking need you. We need everyone, all of us, together. Previously, I was speaking of the mistake we made as a race, the human race, and I basically said that it was technology in the last episode. But this isn't the entire picture, and I've been dancing around this issue for uh, a long time. You know, through the whole podcast, really, I've just kind of been um, ghosting it. And I was not taking my own advice because it was really to not scare anyone off, you know, in the beginning. But I know most of the people that listen to this are already aware of most of what I'm talking about. But there's, I think, um, a bit of information that could, you know, tip the scales in a deeper comprehension, which is what I'm um, driving at, what I'm going for. I can no longer dance around this part of the problem because it needs to be highlighted so that we can move forward towards a positive outcome together. And I'm not referring to resistance. See, I'm still dancing around it. I'm avoiding saying outright what it is, but don't worry, I'll get to it. But I need to say some stuff in order to prepare the ground, so to speak. All right. The evidence of a technologically advanced race of humans existing at a time in the very distant past exists. The standard model of human development or evolution or the study of the continued growth of civilization does not acknowledge the evidence of an advanced civilization on Earth previous to our own. And previous to a certain uh, time. But if we actually credit the evidence available, we know that it is possible that an advanced civilization existed and was operating at a very high level. The former is inferred because the technology of what exists, what still is studyable, in their buildings exhibits an optimal level of understanding of the workings of nature. Also disregarded by the mainstream is the evidence that this civilization was destroyed by some kind of cataclysmic event. This seems to be the case. Um, And there's a lot of evidence. And to me, it's very likely That it was some kind of uh, impact, you know, some kind of large object hit the earth from outer space, right? There's a lot of evidence that suggests this. And so there were few survivors and they were reduced, um, not only in numbers, um, but to a much lower state of existence. Now, this is conjecture, not that it didn't happen because um, it did, right? There was definitely a massive flood. The glaciers really did melt, right? And they melted really fast. But we cannot know for sure um, that the inhabitants somehow didn't doom themselves, or perhaps were attacked from outside, but it's definite that there was some kind of impact that occurred on Earth plus or minus 12,000 years ago. We can say that the antediluvian, antediluvian cultures that existed previous to the melting of the glaciers appear to be the source of hermetic knowledge, or the mysteries, as they say. This reinforces the idea that they comprehend nature and their own nature. After the cataclysm, we humans began again from scratch and from a position of extreme vulnerability. This is the time period where the standard interpretation of the evidence picks up the trail of the evolution of humans and human society specifically. The development of technology seems to be a natural choice under the circumstances existing after the flood intense vulnerability creates the conditions that promote a keen sense of value identification with regards to survival the irony is this beginning though the origin of our current technological advancement can be thought of as the fall of man because in comparison to the previous cultures it is the bottom level um, of existence of a being capable of abstract thought. The process that is required to develop technology, the evaluation of the environment, and the intentional manipulation of it leads invariably to innovation as the original products created become part of the environment and thus subject again to evaluation and modification by individuals. I was talking about this, I think, in episode seven. The inclusion of humans into this evaluation was an inevitability, right? Because also humans are in the environment. And, of course, what I'm referring to here is the human use of other humans, and this is the actual critical event. This is the actual mistake. Not necessarily technology though, it is part of it. and But it can only have come about while we're in this vulnerable condition and dependent upon each other. So this is the critical event. This is the actual mistake that we made um because well let me just get into it more this mistake is not natural right this is what i'm going to try to explain that this is an unnatural occurrence that it goes against our nature and nature this is what i've kind of been avoiding talking about You know, this is the lead-in to what I've been avoiding talking about. And it appears to be why we have arrived where we are at the moment, right? In the world at the moment. The human use of other humans seems to be counterproductive activity and against our nature. And I will try to lay out how um, to understand that viewpoint. So... For the sake of our argument, consider this to be a natural occurrence. Consider the human use of other humans to be natural. And so we can extrapolate um, and see where that may lead. Even if it does occur as a developmental stage, right? This is like a developmental stage of humanity. And we are reaching the apex of it at this moment. It leads to the critical um, situation that we find ourselves in now, but that doesn't include this deeper aspect that we have been talking about, which is natural law, that there is this built in balancing effect that is deeper than just the balancing effects um that we see unfolding in our ecosystem this is because human beings are different though our bodies are biological we have another and another we have another component this difference is not entirely due to our frontal lobes in which abstract thought takes place that differentiation is still the base level right is still the base level of understanding of this the three-dimensional level and does not include these higher aspects of ourselves that we currently can't measure empirically or um, it is being blocked right and scoffed at and ridiculed right the nature of being human includes a higher level that isn't necessarily visible to our physical senses not to everyone but it can be experienced. And we know this to be true. And I was discussing this before. By looking at tribal cultures, we can see that the development of technology will level off as people again become in tune. Um, There's a sense perception that is greater, right? That the vulnerability has worn off, right? Um, The sense perception such as we see um, with the Australian Aboriginal people. This sense perception lessens the pressure for innovation on the exterior. Technology reaches an apex at the tribal level. That's what it seems, right? That there is a level at which um, continued technological growth is unnecessary so what then drives this runaway chain reaction of technological growth that i was speaking of in the last episode (laughs) it's not just the minds of humans you know continually wanting to be valuable and create more value there's something more going on here so we come at this question from the standard interpretation the standard model um we can come at it from the standard interpretation and we can do that here for the sake of argument, but I'm going to take it a step further, right? I'm just gonna getting you ready for that, right? Human beings in survival mode rely on their lower brain to make decisions. Some people like to call this the lizard brain because we have that portion in common with the other vertebrate species on the planet. Having a lower brain, as well as a prefrontal, prefrontal cortex, such as we do in survival mode, we will use our intellect to cast about for solutions to an immediate problem. With humans, as well as with most animals, survival mode invokes the fight or flight response. But with humans, we can still make judgments within both of those choices. The intellect provides a subset of categories of choices based on our assessment of the surroundings but still operating in a state of survival. However, human beings already had the faculties of mind in place to operate at a higher level, but that becomes, that higher level becomes unavailable while in a state of extreme vulnerability. This state bypasses our higher functions of mind that should work in conjunction with the intellect. And so we have the intellect, making decisions based on the input from the lower brain, the lizard brain, as it were. And I think this can be thought of as cunning. Keep in mind that this is a thought experiment, right? That it's a logical consideration of what might've happened based on (laughs) our knowledge. So, it considers, this thought experiment considers the likelihood of things happening on average over a long period. And again, with the standard model of consideration of these things, it is not that one single incident launched it all, although it had to start somewhere, but that the choice of humans to use other humans happened enough for it to become a thing. When it did, it perpetuated the state of vulnerability. By reaching a tipping point, humans adopted this way of being. Right. This mode of operation reached a tipping point, meaning that it was so many people. um, Believed it. That um, it became a thing. And we've talked about this before, as we have said what the majority believes to be true becomes true in an operative sense within the workings of society. We can say that it was perpetuated because the initial deployment of the threat of death by violence in order to force others to do one's bidding creates a climate of vulnerability for both the enforcers as well as the subjects. The Subjects, of course, will resent the subjugation. The enforcers will sense this and so fortify their position. This leads to the apparent necessity to develop technology that reinforces the hierarchy. This is how technology continues to advance beyond the level of tribal homeostasis to keep the order, to maintain the status quo. But this status quo is the lowest state of being for a human that is capable of so much more. By remaining in a constant state of vulnerability, we cannot on average become more. Stay with me here. We are looking back at the conditions that lead to our current predicament, right? With the standard model interpretation at this point. It begins with violence to force compliance, but this cannot be maintained forever as the populace will rise up. This is the actual leaky boat that I was speaking of before, Um this maintenance of the status quo of a hierarchy that um, is unfair, right? This is the boat with the leak and that each time it is stopped, another leak springs up and so on and it requires constant maintenance. And so it turns into this monstrosity, right? Over time. We say at this point, we might say that the leak is due to the injustice of it, right? That people will eventually refuse to accept it. And that is true. It breaks the law of cause and effect at the most basic biological level. But we are more than our biology. Biological systems such as bodies require an input in order to run. Running is the output, right? Uh, being active cyclically an output is required to secure an input again and so on and so on technology extends this input output cycle over multiple individuals and so therefore extends the energy exchange across the group multiple individuals exert an output in concert in order to secure an input at a higher rate of efficiency than operating alone I was explaining this in episode 7 This apparent value to our individual survival, we can identify, right? We can identify the value of working together. Participation in this presupposes the sharing of the results in exchange for contributing. Individuals are awarded an equal share of the product of the group. This distributes the load of exertion across the collective. In this state of vulnerability though, this state that suggests that we are our bodies exclusively, that the optimum is to achieve the highest available efficiency, the least input for the most output. This is the state in which certain action was identified by some as very effective in harvesting unbalanced shares of the collective output with very little effort expended right so this is the threat of violence in order to um force the group to work for you we are told that this is human nature that this is survival of the fittest but that explanation actually negates our unseen aspects that allow us to function at a higher level we are told this is natural but our nature is more than our biology This way of thinking is the bottom level of operating in the world as a human, the bottom of the barrel, as they say. The ability to ascertain a path that capitalizes on the effect of other people's effort does cause a cushion, right? A a temporary way around the expenditure of effort while still reaping a biological reward. This path does not prevent and eventual balancing of the scales, it only delays it. The curious thing is this way of being, this perpetual vulnerability has persisted. It has persisted despite its tendency to lead to imbalance and revolt or revolution. But as we can see when we look at history, revolution does not solve the problem and it all begins again the stratification of a technological society the top element of that hierarchy the element that insul- insulates itself from the effort at the ex- from effort at the expense of the rest continues to exist despite causing the imbalance that leads to the periodic revolution in the first place over the millennia since the human use of other humans came into being, there has been a consistent effort to maintain the structure that permits this to continue. Nature's response to our consistent imbalance, the periodicity of of the rise and fall of civilization is curious and it is this behavior that brings about the pattern. This human use of other humans Right. Is this human nature? Right. This is what we're told is this survival of the fittest. And that explanation makes very little sense. It isn't survival of the fittest because those that operate in this way cannot survive without everyone else's output. If it truly was survival of the fittest, it would mean that this adaptation would lead to. Um homogeneous exhibition of that mode of operation, but that is not how this behavior plays out. They, you know, what they say, when they say this is natural, they would tell us that we are all like this, and we all have, it's true, we all have a dark side. Uh, We all have also the biological imperative to survive. But it is really under threat that we adopt this method. And our nature transcends this constant um, environment of threat, right? Right? Our nature transcends the biological. I have a desire for to get this idea across, but it is difficult to say. Where the contradiction comes up, um right, is right there, right? It's right there, right? We are, we do have bodies, but we are more than that, right? So don't just, if you have trouble with this explanation, don't just hinge on that, right? And do an about face. Because what I am getting at is that there is a force at work upon us that is unnatural, that negates our true nature, right? And that promotes this constant environment of fear. It is important to highlight it so that we may perhaps overcome it. That is the purpose of our incarnation on this earth, to learn, to learn our true nature, to learn our true nature. My analysis up to this point has been entirely within the materialist framework, the standard model, that our nature is to take any opportunity to improve our own individual prospects, any opportunity, including the subjugation of others. And that once this system, this subjugation was in place, led to a runaway development of technology. Um, And so that that makes sense right because if you are going to force someone through threat of violence then of course you would be worried that that violence would be turned back at you right and so it creates this constant environment of threat but so there is a force acting on us that would maintain that structure that leads to where we are today because within this materialist worldview is the idea that this structure, this human use of other humans, right? Would lead to two different types of people, right? If you take that view, right, then um, it would lead to two different types of people, the ones that are the rulers and the ones that are not, the ones that control everything and the ones that exist within the system trying to be the best that they can despite having a portion of their output stolen from them. Some would balk at this representation saying that, oh, this sounds like conspiracy theory, but it fits within the mainstream worldview, that it is in our nature to create such a structure. So you can't have it both ways you can't say that the system is not rigged and also say that it is in our nature to rig the system. Right? So the materialist uh, approach to this to say that it is like evolution, right? That is um, survival of the fittest and all that shit. Um, And I'm not saying evolution doesn't occur. I'm just saying there's some definitely missing pieces into the whole thing. And if you really read um, Darwin's book, right? He talks about all this uh, interdependency of nature too, not just that everything is trying to kill everything else. Right? And if you just look around, you can see that. Um, The whole cherry picking of Darwin's um, uh, research, is to apply it to this kind of social Darwinism that supports this this kind of way of being that I'm discussing. So it's an incomplete analysis because it is solely reliant on the idea that we are driven only by our biological imperative. I am arguing for something that there is evidence for, but that so i'm using this uh sorry backing up a little bit so i'm using their logic to try to disprove what they say right because there's a contradiction and it doesn't make sense so and it doesn't entel, tell the entire story If that was the whole story, then the historical record, the written record, and also the record stored in the ground in the form of archaeological evidence would not have anomalies, right? If that were the whole story, then the historical record would be an incremental incremental unfolding towards what we have now, right? Like a slow climb, right? But instead, what we see in the record is a massive jump to this type of existence from the hunter-gatherer mode of operation, right? This type of existence that I was um, talking about in the previous paragraphs. What we would expect to see with that viewpoint is a gradual implementation of the ways of being that are indicative of civilization, that the first civilizations would not have all the features of modern society in place at the get-go. And even with the introduction of radical innovations such as animal husbandry and the domestication of plants, that would not immediately give rise to the existence of lawyers and accountants, which is what we have in Sumeria. What we see in the record is that out of nowhere, we have a civilization that has all of this stuff in place at the moment of its creation. There is no evidence beforehand showing a transition to a development of certain aspects of civilized life. It simply springs into existence fully formed with a writing system, a base 12 numerical system, algebra, various technologies that have no predecessor such as complex irrigation systems, a court system, and monarchs. I uh, began my college career majoring in paleoanthropology Uh, I was and I still am fascinated by human origins, obviously. We learned that, you know, in the classes, we learned that the domestication of plants occurred in the Fertile Crescent, which is the Middle East. And this is the civilization of Sumer, the Sumerians. And while I was learning this, it seemed odd to me, right? But you accept it as The idea of a technology such as farming being so radical, such a big change from nomadic lifestyle to a sedentary lifestyle, that all of these things, you know, all of these features of um, a civilized culture had to exist in order for it to function properly. I mean, that's kind of the workaround that you do to accept it. And then you kind of forget about it. You know, you're like, ah. Yeah, um, they invented farming in the Fertile Crescent. Now let's move on. There is all this talk, right, um, of the midden heap, uh, the trash pile, um, being the source of the beginning of our understanding of the concept of farming, right? So we continually threw out our trash over the seasons in the garbage heap, And we would notice that new plants would spring up from the pile in the spring. And so we got ideas. There is no suggestion of how we transition to having a grain, right, that comes from a grass that um, has no real um, nutritional value, right, as it is naturally but we get this grain and it's fucking just there. And it's so heavily modified that it creates these fat little protein and uh, starch seeds um, that it is possible to plant in large quantities and harvest it and store it for later use, right? I can talk about this for a while, but there really is not enough evidence to bring us across the gap from a midden heap harvest to a large scale farming effort that can feed thousands. There would have to have been something that left a trail right to that eventuality, but there just simply isn't. Uh, it appears out of nowhere. And I'm sure some of y'all will say, wait a minute, I knew you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Um, you don't get a grass to turn into wheat right without there any it being any evidence of it happening right over time right it just shows up so there's no real evidence to suggest otherwise that somehow there was an incremental approach to the development of civilization and that and what we find when we look at these civilizations these first civilizations, such as Sumer, what we find is that they are their most advanced, they are at their most advanced state in the beginning, right, in, at the start, and they deteriorate over time. And this is perhaps the best evidence for what I'm saying. If it was an incremental approach to civilization, then um, it, it would not be at its highest level at the get-go right it would arrive at its highest level slowly not just be fully advanced and at its best and then start to fall apart which is what we see in the evidence the point of this is to say that there was some kind of intervention and not just a natural progression towards this eventuality there is a lot of evidence that suggests that technological innovation levels off, right? I was already speaking of this, unless there is a hierarchy of control already in place that is driving this uh, model. And this is the subject I've been dancing around, but there is no more compelling evidence than this, that a fully formed civilization at its most advanced state just suddenly appears And it's a civilization based on the subjugation of the many by the few. (laughs) This is obvious in many ways, but with the giant relief sculptures in stone depicting oversized monarchs standing on the heads of thousands of little people tells the story. Right, there it is, right there, carved in stone. To reiterate, it is the human use of other humans, or to put it in a more general sense, the subjugation of the general population by the few that drives the continued development of technology. And this occurrence is not natural because it requires constant reinforcement to make sure that it continues. This system was put into place at a specific time in our past when we were reeling from the effects of a cosmic impact on the surface of the Earth, And so we were extremely vulnerable. And this vulnerable state um, made us available to be captured into a false construct of reality. There, I fucking said it. So there are one of three things that put us in this position, right? If it is natural, right, if it occurs naturally as I have been breaking down for the sake of argument, it goes against the makeup of the human's biological system, right? Nature did not design our bodies to feed off of a living host of others that are of the same build. We are not designed to be parasites on ourselves. <laughs> but if this is, right, a later ad- adaptation, if it was some kind of mutation that occurred when we started to create technology, then it still doesn't lead to where we are today. If it occurred naturally, then there was a point in time when it started and since it requires the few to control the many or the re- the rest could not have survived. Um, since it requires the few co- to control the ma- many, um, the um, this new type of person, right, that is created could not have survived more than one or two generations of revolt or revolution. There just wouldn't be the insulation in place to allow um, the way that way of thinking to continue or that way of being or that parasitic nature, right? There wouldn't be a memory or anyone left to continue after revolution, right? unless it already had an insulating effect in place. Um, It couldn't begin without a kind of robust staying power already in place. You guys follow? So, and again, for the sake of argument, if this is an adaptation, this parasitical mutation, right? It did persist. it would pass on its mutation. If it did persist, it would pass on its mutation or genes to the next generation. And it does, you know, we know that it does because we can look around and see it happening, right? Um, This kind of human use of other humans, right? And when I say this, right, don't think that I'm saying that (laughs) Um it's, it's kind of, you know, I always say this on aggregate, right? It is an average, right, over time. And it's not everyone, right? It's just an average. And so just like in statistics, right, the dominant variables are the ones that went out. And that's what I'm saying that it is. So this type of being, this way of being persists. Um, we would have to say then it had produced a type of living entity that was different from humans, right? As we were when this all began. And we know this can't be right because any human can be converted to this way of being. Whether then, now, or later, all that must be done to them is harm. Right? All that must be done to them is to make them feel that like everything is dangerous. And so I know your all's minds are going to certain things, right? And it's not everyone. (laughs) A difficult childhood doesn't turn you into a psycho, right? But we know that it can, for sure. And some childhoods are way more hardcore than others. The other explanation is something that I was referring to vaguely before, which is a kind of thought form, right? So the first explanation that is some kind of natural adaptation the other one is that um, it is some kind of uh, thought form that becomes prevalent in within the population, uh, a viewpoint of the world that takes on a life of its own. And the word for this is egregore, egregore. It's a thought form that persists. Uh, and this is a likely candidate, but it still has the same problem as the natural um, idea, the natural adaptation of this kind of behavior, which is to say that um, a thought form requires humans to exist, right? And it cannot make plans and it cannot have a memory, (laughs) right? Either, right? So it has its part to play in all of this because an egregore is a real thing. Um, And it is related to what we've already been talking about, about how um, a way, uh, a worldview can reach a tipping point and kind of become its own entity outside, but still riding on the minds of humans. So, but in the beginning at the origin, right? A thought form, cannot plan for the future, right? It cannot... um, um, It cannot plan for a future in a way that allows the first occurrences not to die out right away because um, it doesn't know things, right? It is just a a thought form or an egregore does not have knowledge of the past, prior knowledge, or knowledge of the way that the universe functions or knowledge about the human brain is structured at its inception, right, at its creation. Um, it It is a kind of tipping point in the human mind in the collective consciousness that requires a period of time to reach that point. And again, An egregore is a real thing, right? It's a thought form that kind of takes on a life of its own. But it can have been the cause of the perpetual um, occurrence of the human use of other humans because it can only come into existence after a critical portion of the people believes it, right? Thinks it. So although it plays a part, it's not the thing. Right, it is kind of used to drive the thing after, but it cannot be the cause of it. And neither can a natural, um, um, a natural adaptation to uh, a scary life, right? And to, Um, turn to using other people in order to ensure uh, your own survival right and so those two things are kind of related the natural adaptation and the thought form because they um, are require a kind of tipping point in order to get the momentum to keep going but they could not have survived the beginning (laughs) right it needs an insulation in the beginning so the third explanation can take a couple of different forms and this explanation is the one that makes the most sense even though it's the most radical right so there was some kind of external intervention right and that was the initial setup in the first place and then it keeps going century after century one thing that supports this is what i've already been explaining is the sudden appearance of city states in the middle east where before there was no such thing and no indication of such a thing coming to be Um, so this begs the question where do these city states come from how did they get there uh if you are unfamiliar with this uh line of uh research i guess you could say i mean i've been into it for a long ass time but i don't know as much as some people um, who are a lot younger than me but who have done uh who have gone after this hard and one of them is a guy named matthew lacroix l a c r o i x matt lacroix uh he studies uh the Sumerians and um, the clay tablets specifically, what was written on them in depth. Uh he provides a translation of the documents, right? The clay tablets, and his research is readily available and accessible. And there have been guys who, who were into this before, right, Zachariah Sitchin, and they've just been flogged in the in this in the uh court of public opinion, right? um called crazy and shit but i mean this shit is written in clay man you know and you can talk about the uh translations and say oh that's not what they were saying but they had fucking pictures you know you can't deny a picture oh you that's not the solar system it's like whatever man um so part of what i'm talking about in, the, in this episode is the fog or the noise that is introduced into these discussions to obfuscate an approach to the truth of the matter of the human condition and the clay tablets are obviously very important of coming to an understanding of what happened to us. Right? I mean, there's thousands of years of history written down on that, that those things. And, um, why would, um, the national museum in our, in Baghdad be completely looted and all of the tablets that were there stolen? Like, what are they trying to hide? oh it's just a fucking no 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 that was a purposeful um theft right so that they can't be translated um some of the right so zachariah sitchin and a few other guys and uh but matthew lacroix uh goes after it right and he's really good and very intelligent so look him up watch his videos, listen to his recordings, and read his book, and you can get up to speed on all of this Sumerian shit. And if you haven't already found him, right, I'm just saying, I'm sure some of you would follow him because he's a badass. Um, so the translation of the Sumerian clay tablets tells the story of basically what you would find in a science fiction novel, right? it gives their origin story and how they ended up coming here in addition it lays out where they come from and my understanding is is that it's not another star system but a planet that periodically comes flying through the inner solar system and then heads back out into you know the deep dark um on a highly elliptical orbit it's all very interesting and fascinating but so It's not really important to what I'm talking about. (laughs) Because the who, it really isn't that important. Nor the how. It's just that it is happening, right? That something is happening to us. That something's being done to us by all appearances. Um, All the details about what has been done how it's been done what kind of a world we live on whether it's flat or whether it's a realm all of the different conspiracies and the difference of opinion about them are not relevant to how we navigate the situation right it's interesting and it's helpful and it brings people in right but i've been looking at this you know for over like up to 30 years now like since i just graduated from high school right and so I've already done all that, right? Now it's time to say, what do we do about it, right? And it takes away from our personal growth, right? Keep searching, right? And if you're new to this, go ahead and do it, but don't get involved and don't fucking say anything is absolute, like especially flatter, right? You're just inviting fucking attack, <laughs> you know? And that's it, you know, it's another thing about this simulation. If it's flat Earth, it's a simulation and it's built for us, right? And the universe is as big as it seems to be. It is virtual, right? Because we're spiritual beings, right? We have bodies, um, there are avatars. But um, that we live under a dome, um, right? This is just taking you away from what you need to be focusing on. Um, So anyway, moving on. I'm not even sure what's happening can be stopped. You know, I think it can be. But the way when I look around and I see everyone um, so uh, fucking. I mean, it's. I can liken it to when I'm driving around. Right. Right. So the way people drive is also the way they see the world and they fucking suck at it, (laughs) right? Um, But everyone thinks they're fucking Parnelli Jones, including me. I So this thing that's happening may have to play out, right? As it has many times before, but I think this time is the critical time because of the technology right so previously well i digress a little so let's just keep going so doing these uh podcasts right i have grown myself right i have progressed and i learn more but that doesn't necessarily help me with the production process and those of you who follow me um, know that I kind of, you know, it's not a constant thing. And I know that also, right? You all know, right? That if you wanna have a successful podcast, you gotta fucking hit it every week. But that's not what this is about, right? This is about getting out this information that has been burning a hole in my brain, you know? And I almost threw it all down last week because Like I was saying, I'm not certain I can do anything, you know, except for myself. But that's the whole point, really. That's why I, you know, picked it up again and decided to finish, right, this last episode. Because it is helping me. (laughs) And the people that I come in contact with because of it are helping me. And that's what we all have to do. We have to each know ourselves. So if any of this is helping any of y'all out there to go inside and discover who you really are, to know yourself, that is the real gold in all of this. The real benefit is that each of us learn who we are, right? And those of you who have been listening here, right? um, Know that I go through a kind of rhythm, right? (laughs) And it takes me a while. Uh, I basically have to convince myself that it's making any kind of difference at all. And, but the cool thing is, is that I know it is, right? Because it's helping me and um, I really appreciate those of you out there who have reached out to me, you know? It brings a tear to the eye when I get a message from one of y'all saying that it has reached you so thank you for that. And, uh, you know, I thought I was, you know, I thought number nine would be done, you know, number nine, the number of completion, but I felt like I had to do number 10 to go where I hadn't gone, you know, to go to this kind of radical place, because that's, you know, it's, it's the truth, despite it, You know, if you're fresh to all this stuff, it's gonna sound fucking nuts, right? And if you are from a religious background, you're about to get pissed at me, right? (laughs) Because I'm gonna say some stuff that um, will throw some things that you hold dear under the bus. And uh, But so I wanted to do this last extra episode that lays out kind of what's happening in general, in a general sense, but also to say, stop infighting, you motherfuckers. <laughs> stop fighting about the details because we're getting fucked hard and that's what's happening. And it really doesn't matter how only the, that it's happening. Right. And if we fight it like physically, then they have us, they have all the force. The only way to ensure that we don't get put into this digital cage, this uh, panopticon, is to recognize our own power and the power that we have together, not to fight, but to say no, right? And when I say they, right, um, I'm gonna get to why I say they and why everyone says they. so an explanation as to why we find ourselves in this position in this position in this situation this perilous unfolding of events that is occurring at the moment on earth what it comes down to is this right the laws of the universe are immutable and there really is just one law but i'm not speaking of the physical constants or fucking gravity no i'm talking about natural law or universal law, cosmic law. And it could be understood through what I've been hitting hard with, and that's the seven principles, right? The seven principles of Hermeticism. Um, so the first principle is the principle of mentalism, and we've talked about it a lot, right? And you have to, this has to be the thing, right? This is really the law, right, that can't be broken. Right. That the universe. um, Well, so that's the main thing, right? All of the other principles are to allow you to navigate this place that we find ourselves in. And the law of cause and effect is the real meat of that matter of that part of it. What I've been saying is, is that if you want to make something lasting in this universe, you have to give up thinking that it's you because there is no you there is only the all there is no way to get around the law and this is the law right and it's the law with the capital L but there is something right trying to circumvent the law whether it's an alien race or what the Gnostics refer to as the archons or fallen angels or ascended masters who have gone to the dark side it doesn't matter because it's happening and it's been happening for thousands of years but why right i hold on to the idea that the earth was once a better place and that's why i had to say all this right that it was better once and we can make it that way again previously I was speaking of technology and how we can learn to operate it in a way that would allow us to continue to be something new in the universe. Right. Um, There's all these articles out there. Right. And the universe is big and it's real. Right. I mean, it's as big as it appears to be. Right. Um, There's a lot of stuff out there. Right. And it doesn't mean it's not virtual. Right, but uh, the there was an article that just I saw pop today, and it was saying that uh, there's, there's probably it's very likely that there are thousands of dead civilizations in the Milky Way, right? And that would be taking the view, right? And I think that's possible, right? Because there are other civilizations maybe that got this same parasite that we have (laughs) and perished because of it, right? What I'm saying is is that we can shed this fucking thing, right? And um, we can make it through it. So in our vulnerable state after the the glaciers melted um, and they melted in a matter of weeks, Right? Uh, We were susceptible to infection. And it may sound crazy, but it makes sense. The universe includes many dimensions, and the law is the same in all of them because it's all one creation. The price that is to be paid for claiming singular identity, right? For claiming a separate self from the All can be shunted, right? There's a price to be paid for it. It can be shunted by getting other beings to pay it for you. This is the position we found ourselves in and we were made an offer, right? All those thousands of years ago and we accepted it. The Gnostics talked about this. Their view was as is stated in the Hermetic Mysteries, that the Creator is everything in everything that the universe is a mind having a dream. And so is not separate from it, right? The creator is not separate from the creation. It is the creation and neither are we separate because we are in the creation, right? The illusion is, is that we are something other than the one, there are those, right? Who cannot abide this, right? from one there are many, and there are some in the many that cannot abide this, cannot abide the dream. But the law is built in, not in order to force some kind of humility, right? That's a human um, idea, a construct. But because that is simply what it is, there is no way around it. The law will thwart any attempt to create a singular separate intent. So they, when I say they, right, it is they who cannot abide the dream, right? They cannot abide that they are not it, the thing, right? They cannot abide that they are not singular and separate. So they, right, that's when everyone says they, that's who they are, right? They are those who cannot abide the dream. They are so intent on clinging to their perceived identity despite everything they create, disintegrating, that they would become the creator, right? That's what they wanna do. They would create their own dream that they control within the dream. The Sumerians or, yeah, the Sumerians were the beginning of this attempt to do that here on Earth, right? And it is post-apocalyptic situation and then they come in and save the day, right? and offer all of this shit for us, but then we get enslaved. Um, I'm not super into the notion that uh, we weren't already badass, right? We had just forgotten it because we had been nearly fucking destroyed, right? So I'm not of this notion. And I would have to talk to Matt LaCroix about this. Like maybe I'll bring him on for an interview on the Green Knight to talk about how, um, the Atlantis and the Lumerians and all of them, um, what's the connection, right. To the Anunnaki, right. To Enki and Enlo, right. But so for me, um, we had been smashed on the head and lost our memory and then we got exploited. Um, something happened. And we were vulnerable so but all of that is mostly irrelevant because um uh, it's what's happening right and the explanation that i'm giving is i'm simply raising a flag in the tumult like hello (laughs) right right come on y'all fucking i mean you can't even say wake up you know it's like i'll just say put on the glasses Even though they're all wearing blinders, right? It's an inversion. Fucking get fucking the glasses, right? They live, right? Put them on and look around. Um, I give you the glasses so you can fucking see. Even though I know a lot of y'all know what's fucking going on. But I wanted to say it in a certain way because this is the fucking nitty-gritty. You know, this is it. Anyway. Anyway so i'm raising a flag over here um the god that they right the they that i was speaking of worship is the god of contracts right and who's the god of contracts well it's mithras right and that's where all of these death cults go right they are all into mithras it is mithras who kind of is the background for all of these other, um, I don't know, right? But okay, they worship the God of contracts. Mithras is the God of contracts. When I discovered this, it all fucking fell into place, right? Uh, but using words to describe it is nothing if not difficult. Um, to do so, you have to describe the indescribable the nature of the world, the nature of the universe, and our own nature, right? It's unfathomable, unfathomable. So in many of the fantasy books that I have read, and I've read a lot of books, um, the gods need worshippers in order to exist. The whole of creation is one thing. From one, there are many. The creator of this dream is the dreamer, so it is not possible to break from it to try to um, is to have everything you create turned to ash, right? Turn to dust, to be dissolved and absorbed into the entirety. Um, and to uh, basically have to come back, right? The cost is, is that you and I was speaking of this before, if you attempt this kind of thing, you get put in a time loop, which is what we are in on earth, right? And if you were listening, ah, fuck, I can't remember his name right now, but um, on Tinfoil Hat a couple of weeks ago or a couple of interviews ago was the skater, right? The enlightened skater guy, right? Super badass skater and uh, but uh um, he was saying that in his vision right that he had there was this um the symbol of lucifer and it was rotating right and it was constantly rotating and to me that was the symbol of uh, this lowest form of being right this lowest angle of light as he was saying right um, it just it's a it's a it's a spinning wheel that goes nowhere And I was talking about this before, and and this is really the case, right, if you look at it, right? So what you make turns to dust, and then you get put back on to try again, right? This is the cost of attempting the subversion of the law. And the law is not written, right? It simply is. The dreamer did not declare itself the ultimate authority and so strike down any would that claim their own. It simply is that way because the dreamer is the dream. Those that would claim authority for their own see the dreamer as like themselves, selfishly hoarding the right to authorship. But the creator of this thing we call the universe takes no hand in its management. It is the creation itself. And it, in, it unfolds as was intended from inception according to the initial conditions. It, or him, her, or whatever, the creator is not apart from itself, right? It is itself. <laughs> there is no identification of sin for the creator, right? There is no punishment meted out by itself to itself. Simply is, and we are it. Right. That's why um, the principle of Wu Wei should make sense right now. Right. Is that um, any right? Superior virtue has no intention of being virtuous. It simply is. Right. Inferior virtue. is overly concerned with virtuosity or this uh, human conception of what virtue is and so therefore is not virtuous right there is no identification of sin for the creative there is no punishment meted out by itself to itself it simply is and we are it the entities though right this portion of the dream um, that rebels against this actually fail to accept this while also knowing the truth of it (laughs) it's a kind of insanity, right? In fact, it can be described as attempting the same thing at infinitum with the same results, right? The definition of insanity, right? Um, Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, right? This is the they. The only way to preserve individual authority for any length of time is to recruit others into it by contract right they worship the God of contracts <laughs> right the only way to preserve individual authority here right in this creation for any length of time and it's always limited is to recruit others into it by contract some of you will be upset when I'm about what I'm about to say, by what I'm about to say. And some will begin to comprehend and some will say, fucking A, that is the shit right there. And that is my objective. This continual attempt at claiming authority is folly, but the suffering it causes can be discharged onto those who contract into it, us. (laughs) So God, the creator, The dreamer, the entirety of the universe is everything. What does the Bible do? It is a contract, an agreement that humans are born into sin, that we are separate from God. Knowledge of good and evil is a claim on authority. If we agree to that, we have contracted into a separation from creation, a separation from the divine. Right? Are you following you guys? To say that we have knowledge, to agree to that that declaration, that we have the knowledge of good and evil is to claim an authority. And that breaks the law, which is unbreakable. And so we get put into, right? This is why, this is what I think, right? This is how the wheel of karma started, right? this is the reincarnation cycle, right? We have no claim on authority. If we agree that we have knowledge of good and evil, we are putting a claim, we are claiming authority, right? And we are saying that we are separate from the creation and we cannot be because it's impossible because we are the creation. Do you see how that's a mindfuck? Right? Do you see how that works despite all of the knowledge imparted in the Bible, right? It is negated and poisoned by the agreement that we are separate from the creation. It's a clever reversal, right? But It's a contract. To contract into this, we agree to shoulder the destruction that it invites. The periodic collapse of civilization on earth is indicative of this. The entities that orchestrated the contract know the law, and they understand that since it's against nature, that the construct will fail eventually, right? This is what we see, right? They built up Sumeria, they built up the kingdom of Sumer, and it was all fucking badass, right? All shiny and new, and it just started falling apart, started to fall apart, right? And we see this in all the empires, right? That they fail, right? And we, it's kind of like they get closer to closer together, these failings, as we move towards where we are now. Right? The contract creates an illusion within the illusion, a dream within the dream, right? So when the Gnostics were saying that it's a simulation, like that's the interpretation now that we like to say, but really it's just, um, uh, this alchemical bell that we're trapped in is because we agreed to the bullshit. right? And put ourselves on the wheel, right? So the universe is big and vast and infinite, but we keep coming back to this place with our memories wiped because we don't get it and we're supposed to figure it out. And we've forgotten so much that uh, we think this is a <laughs> how it's supposed to be. And it's fucking not, right? This reincarnation cycle, when you talk about old souls and shit, it's like, how many times have you come back? And like, it's some kind of point of pride, right? Well, you're fucked right there automatically. (laughs) And you flunked how many times? You flunked the school, (laughs) you know? You're supposed to graduate, get the fuck out of here. That's the only way you can, is to realize who you really are, what you really are, right? Know thyself. The contract is an illusion within the illusion. The universe is virtual. Physical existence is not what is in actuality real, right? Our entanglement with the source it is our entanglement with the source that represents our spiritual nature, right? The Bible contracts us into believing we are separate from the source and through our agreement, it becomes true to us. Right. And then that is really what sin is, is the missing of the mark. Right. And it's, a narrow target, but I think it's possible to hit and to hit over and over and over, right? Until you finally realize, right? So you can accidentally hit it, right? And these are these peak experiences that we talk about. And I spoke about it on tempo, Hat, which is like this flow state, right? But you can be in constant flow. And that's probably what it is to be enlightened. And so it is not possible really for us to be separate. Right? But if we believe it, then we get slapped down. We pay the price. And that's the suffering here on earth. Even though the contrast here makes the joy and the bliss so palpable right right the polarity the duality right and that's why some of us choose to come back here and help the others out I think that we could have the new earth, right? And even though it would be awesome, it doesn't mean that we wouldn't realize it was awesome because we wouldn't have contrast. (laughs) We would still have these physical bodies right? that require um, effort to maintain. So it's not possible to be separated from the source. The source is all things, and we are of the source. Physicality is virtual, not in the sense that there is software, right, that can be updated, such as with the idea of a simulation, right? But that the true nature of spirit, it's the truth, that our true nature is spirit, right? Um, The ethereal. Uh, etheric that our bodies are merely a vehicle of, for that spirit an avatar the contract breaks down because of the impossibility of separation so it requires re-upping periodically over time a doubling down everything that is done to us to get us to agree that we are separate right everything that is done to us is to get us to to agree that we are separate that we are only a biological construct and that our um, our unseen aspect either is divorced from creation or does not exist, right? So the first contract was the Bible and that divorced us from uh, creation, right? Even though you could be religious, it's still said that the, you cannot be divine, right? That you have no access to the divine and to say so is sacrilege right well that's not what the gnostics were saying um and the other is this um enlightenment uh the enlightenment right the renaissance uh, the pressing of the idea of the mechanical nature of the universe as a clock right this is empirical science and this is where we find ourselves now and you know i love to hate sam harris because i think he is an agent for this kind of thing right he says that we're just meat sacks right but go ahead and meditate i think i would slap that fucker down i would not hesitate he's a little punk ass bitch but anyway see i'm not supposed to do that right but fuck that dude irritates me um those that reject creation are tired of this constant management right this is where we are right now and this may be where they have been working to to this point right now right this continual maintenance of the contract um is tiresome to them right and so they've been working towards this place where we are a more stable construct right um because the technology exists now, right? All this talk of simulation, that it is like we we live in a simulation, right? Is predictive programming, right? It's to prepare our minds for an artificial simulation, right? Not a divine virtual simulation. To prepare us for the possibility that it of it to prepare us for the possibility of it a simulation right so we've all been thinking the world is real and all you know for all these years and now the idea of a simulation right uh, puts it in our minds that is possible and that is what they are building now right if we agree to it right if we re-up on this contract if we sign the contract, we will be put inside a world, within a world that is entirely managed by artificial intelligence. This is the singularity that they speak of. And it's no accident that the word is congruent with singular authority, right? And this is against nature. This is a separation, right? And this is the only way they can do it. And they need fucking followers. Right? They need the contractees, they need us to sign up for this or there's nothing, right? They would set up a construct within the dream so that they could become the authority. This is the goal, right, that they have. And my mind, right, tells me that this would be a mistake <laughs> and we should probably avoid this fucking shit okay and if you're one of my friends or family who uh buys into all the fucking bullshit right you're the ones that i'm upset with (laughs) right because i love you guys right we grew up together um what the fuck man don't sign up for this shit and stop telling me uh that my words are dangerous right you're the dangerous one. You're the one who's paving the road, right? You um, w- you want to be good so bad, but that's virtuosity, right? Not virtue. So fucking pull your head out. Um, this is why I even deign to put this on record, so that more of us would turn away from this offer to refuse it. They cannot force us because without our agreement, it is them who are subject to the law And they know this, they know that they have no jurisdiction over us as we are divine beings. However, if they get us to accept the offer, we will be caged and the damage that it will be incurred will be ours to take. So how do we avoid this? First thing is simple. Know that they have no power over you. They have no power over us. That refusal of the offer is all that is required and they can't force us to do it. All that we must do is refuse the offer in mass, because for this to continue, our compliance is necessary. We do not use the system to resist the system, because that is an endorsement of the system. We do not fight them, because that is also an endorsement of the system. And we stop arguing over the details of the many ways we are being caged and have been caged. We say no, and then we go about our business of living as free divine beings. First, we say no altogether. No. Try saying it. No. Then, with the recognition that no one has any authority over any other, we begin to create with the alchemical union of sacred gender. So that our creations are in alignment with the law. What form will this take? We are who we are now after having been abused for so long, right? We start from where we are, and that includes our tools. We use our tools to allow the free and equal exchange of energy between each of us. This is the decentralization of the medium of exchange, right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's fucking money then there is the decentralization of production, right? This is the production of our stuff, our technology, right? The production of value, right? We decentralize that, which means that it, everyone has access to it and no one can own the means of production because the means of production exists because all of us for, uh Thousands of generations are the reason that it even fucking exists, <laughs> <laughs> right? And those of you who um, are all fucking got your panties in a bunch about um, socialism, right? Cause that's what the left is trying to do. And it's like, fuck that man. Uh, you don't have to not own your shit, but we all own the means of production. Get that through your head okay and i already gave my talk to those of you on the left right <laughs> there are no sides there are no fucking sides um okay so decentralization of the medium of exchange and decentralization of the means of production um we could abandon high technology, but why, right? There's no reason we can't use it in a way that isn't dangerous and that counts no one out and includes everyone, right? I guess that's redundant. Um, so we, uh, we abandon the damaging technology and the damaging methodologies, um, the tech that hurts us and our environment um, we discard the methodology of waste, and we unblock the methods of harnessing energy that will eliminate the false premise of scarcity, right? I have more thoughts on how this could take form, and I talked about it in episode, I think, six, right? So if you wanna hear more about that, right? We have the technology to decentralize all of this shit. Um. But in the meantime, as we, you know, as they try to force everyone into this digital cage, right? It's like, how do we stop ourselves? You know, we all have to say no together. That would fucking do it, right? And so we have to come together. And I just want to say, there's one guy who kind of has it figured out. And I always say kind of, because I'm not saying I do, right? I kind of do, Sam Tripoli kind of does. But, Um, Derek Bros, right? And the Freedom Cells, right? Look him up. B-R-O-Z-E. Right? Uh, he's got something going and he's been kicking it for a while. And so it's happening and you can fucking join up with that shit and start doing stuff. Um, I know there's other guys too. I'm not going to say right now because I've been recording for an hour and 40 minutes. It looks like that's a long time, um, seek out the like-minded and to begin to build the free exchange that we we require as humans because uh, we need each other but i just wanted to say one last thing you know it's like if we can make this place better and we can keep our technology right uh, and make it work man wouldn't that be fucking badass (laughs) you know just think about how that could be right there's so many things that could be so fucking awesome right um all right so i love y'all stay tuned for a more regular output um, it's going to be different and perhaps more fun and definitely less preachy <laughs> so green night out peace